excited for today. Well, hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Ashley Hollis, and my husband and I are the lead pastors here at Change, and we are so honored that you chose to spend your Sunday morning here at the church. We are digging in, like I said, this month, we are digging into soul improvement and talking about how do you build something, how do I build something that lasts? How many of you know so many things right now are like shifty, like it's unsettled, it's unknown, there are all sorts of things in society. And we are talking about how, how to build your house, how to build yourself in a season, in a time, so that you will last. And we've been going through our different core values, and I know Elijah dug in last week, and it was powerful. I am telling you, if you were not here last Sunday, go watch that live stream. Be a part. It was unbelievable. The power of God fell in this place. I just want to give a major thank you to Sean and Robin and Adair and Lige for leading us in worship. So grateful. So, so grateful. You know what the most incredible thing to me is about our worship team? Yes, they're talented and they're incredible, and I love that. But above and beyond that, they are simply vessels that are used. They simply come on a Sunday and say, what does God want to do today? And every Sunday we have prayer and huddle and breakfast in the cafe back there before anyone arrives. And we just pray over today. And I just want to encourage you before we get in, you were prayed over for today. That today would not be just another Sunday. We as a team don't look at it as just another church experience, just another time, okay, come and do church. No, church is never just something you do. Church is an opportunity to build relationships and meet the Father and go deeper in the things of him. And so that is my prayer for us as we dig in today. Are you guys ready? Today we're going to be talking about relationships over regimen. Relationships over regimen. This is one of our core values at the church here at Change. And we are dug in deep into relationships here. I don't know about you, but I love people. Like, love people. Elijah and I laugh. He is, and I'm like going to just share all of our secrets right now. Elijah is an extroverted introvert. Okay? He is like... 1,000% in your face, love and life, here for it. But when he goes home, he's chill. Like, he's, like, just chilling. And I remember when we first got married, we just celebrated 15 years of marriage. And when we got married, I was, like, the only Elijah I had ever known was out with people. And so it was 100 miles per hour, loud. And we got home, and I would be, like, are you good? Are you, are you, are you loving life? He's, like, yeah, it's great. I'm, like, Great, like super great, so excited, or like, yeah, like, what is it? And I was always laughing because I am a 1,000% extrovert. Now, they say that extroverts get their strength and their energy from people. That is me. I could be with people all day, every day. I have been that way since I was little. I grew up a pastor's kid, if you're not familiar. I grew up in Kansas City. My dad was a pastor there for 30 years at the same church. And so I grew up with people all the time. I would jump out of bed on a Sunday, go to church early with my dad. I would hang out the whole day. 
I would not want to come home until after he locked everything up, turned off all the lights. And then again Monday, I'd be like, what are we going back for? What are we doing? I love it. And so this, today's message about relationships and about being with people is something that is near and dear to my heart. And so you are going to hear my passion come out. You are going to hear my stories come out. But here's what I've learned as I've gotten older. I just turned 36 years old, which is so crazy, you guys. I'm like, I don't know if anyone else who's a bit older feels like this, but sometimes it feels like your life just stopped. Like you kind of, like sometimes when I'm talking to youth, I feel like I just got out of high school. And then they remind me that I'm actually almost on my 20-year reunion. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just feel like you're there. But as I've gotten older, one of the things that I've learned so much is the importance of relationships, building relationships. And there is a difference between being surrounded with people and being in a relationship. Because you can be in a room with people all day, every day, and still feel alone. And then at the same time, you can have deep relationships with people and you don't need 100 people around. You feel connected because you're in a deep relationship. And I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this value today, building relationships. When Elijah and I set out to launch this church, this was one of the first core values that God gave to us. Relationship over regimen. Why? It's because it's putting people above all else. It's saying, I am going to invest in, create time for, build with and into relationships and people. It's about creating space. At Change, we say we are a church of conversations, not statements. We do relationships the same way. It's a space to sit and talk, for you and I to create space. And I don't know about you, but I find it sometimes very hard to create space for relationships. Does anyone else feel like that? You have every intention of having dinner with a friend. You have every intention of sending that text. I laugh. I am the epitome of that meme. I either respond in like five to ten seconds or five to seven business days. Like I am like nowhere in between. I And the worst part is, I'm just being honest, the worst part is sometimes I think I responded in my brain. Anyone else do this? In your brain, you wrote a text message and it was great. And I think I wrote it, and then I don't realize I didn't write it till I go to text that person a week later. And then I'm like, oh, I never responded. And so it is about creating space to build relationships because we are created for relationship. But today, we are running 100 miles per hour in our society, and there's always something pulling for your attention, and there's always something that you can look to do, and we're running and running and running, and those things are not bad. But if our priorities are not in the right order, then we will forever miss out on all the other things. You see, relationships, when you have a good, deep relationship, it's somebody you can walk with. It's someone you can celebrate with. I have a few friends that I call when incredible things happen. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you will never believe. Guess what happened? Guess what door God just opened? Guess how he just provided? Oh, I'm so excited. I just had to tell you. I have those kinds of friends. But you know what's incredible is investing in those friendships day after day. Those are the same friends that I can call and be like, I need prayer. 
this just happened with my family. My, this person was just diagnosed with X or Y. And I have people that walk the mountains and the valleys with me. And that is something that as I've grown older, I don't take for granted. I don't take for granted having friends that follow up with me and text me. Friends that are out on the West Coast that we have to make a date to talk because of the time zones. But we make it a priority because relationships matter. And today, we're going to dig into Acts 9, if you have your Bibles or your phones or you're taking notes. We're going to dig into the story of Saul and when God rocked his world and he met Ananias and then Barnabas walked with him. And I want to dig into that. But before we do go into that and talk about building relationships, I just want to ask us to take a moment here. And I want to ask us to, in humility and in vulnerability, where is the status of your relationships? You can close your eyes. You can just sit. You can do whatever you want to. But I want you to think, where are your relationships? Do you feel like you have people that are in your corner surrounding you there to dig in with you? Do you maybe have people that are a bit more transactional? You can celebrate. You can go hang out. But maybe it's not the people that you can call. And then I want to go a step further, and I want to ask you this because we have to look at the reality of who we are and where we are. Why is it that maybe it's hard for us to connect in relationships? What is that? Because as we dig in today, you know, I said I love talking about relationships. I love being with people. And there was a lot I learned about myself about six or seven years ago. We went through some, some difficult stuff in our family. And I remember going through this, and I remember being with people all the time. And I was so incredibly grateful. I have to be honest with you. I was so grateful for friends that, like, walked it with me. Friends that helped with our kids when we were navigating stuff. Friends that supported and prayed for us and cheered us on. Days that Lige and I were like, I, don't, I can't even get out of bed. Like, what is my life? Where are we right now? And I remember the friends that were in our corner, like, Ash, I will be there. Let's do this. Let's go here. Let's just go get a coffee. But you know what I learned about myself in those times? It was very fascinating because then Elijah went, Elijah and I went away, and we were just took a pause, and we were like, where are we at? Where, where is it? And I realized that sometimes in relationships, being with people is so fun, it gives me energy, it makes me thrive. But at the same time, and I'm just being fully transparent with you, there were times that I had to sit alone and wonder and pray and dig in with God and say, why can I not connect? Why do I have people that are in my corner wanting to cheer me on, wanting to be there, wanting to love me, and I can't connect? Have you ever felt that? Like you're like, you know, people are chasing you. Probably I've chased some of you. I've texted you a lot of times and been like, how are you? Where are you? What's going on? Miss you. Maybe you felt that. And you're like, I just can't connect. And today, this is my prayer. 
we're going to dig into have, how to have healthy, strong relationships. We're going to dig into a blueprint for building a relationship. But I think there's some value in us evaluating where we are right now. Because oftentimes, before we ever talk about building a relationship, we have to evaluate what is it that's building fences in our own lives. I asked the guys to bring down this fence. Um, if you don't know this space, it was a production house before we took it, and this place was full of props. And so we kept a lot of the props because um, Elijah is a slight hoarder, and he loves to keep things. And he also, it sounds like I'm throwing him under the bus today. My goodness, you guys, man. No, but he loves to save things, and I love this about him. He literally will always find a reason to use something or always find a reason to save something. I am the opposite. I'm like, purge everything and start fresh. I am such a minimalist. Get it out of my sight. I don't want anything on my counter, like anything. So he saved this fence, and I am so grateful for him because I said today, Lige, Brian, do we still have that fence? But I want to challenge us as we dig into Acts 9 and as we talk about relationships. I want us to take a, a healthy moment and evaluate where we are because I think that sometimes we begin to build fences and walls instead of bridges. And I think it's very subconscious. You know, let me just go there for a minute. And if you relate with this, amazing. God is rocking your heart. And if not, hey, that's okay. He might be speaking to somebody else. But I believe that sometimes we've been hurt so bad in a relationship. I'll just share with you from my heart. Sometimes I've been hurt so bad by people that I trusted, people that I loved, people that I thought were in my corner, for certain they're going to be with me until the end. And I knew it and I thought it. And then something happened and I got hurt. And maybe it was a misunderstanding Maybe, you know, I think we can always go back. My parents always tell me, no matter what I call them about, my parents are like, Ashley, there's a story behind every story. What I'm going through today might be why I say something to you. What you're going through right now might be why you say something to someone else. But what happens is, regardless, we find ourselves in a relationship where we have built a fence because we've been hurt. And if somebody's hurt me, then I begin to build this. Maybe I'm not to a wall yet. Maybe I haven't like done cinder blocks and we're not fully there. But maybe I'm right here where I just want to keep a little bit of distance between us. I just want to make sure that what's been done before can't happen again. Can anyone relate with that? And maybe you find yourself and you're like, I know God's brought these friends to me. I know this is such an ordained thing. I know I'm connected to this community for a reason. But I'm a little bit scared of what might be said. I'm a little scared of what somebody might find out. I'm a little scared that if I'm vulnerable and if I open my heart, it can be in friendships, it can be in relationships. You could have been hurt in the past. Maybe it was a previous marriage. Maybe it was a friendship. I don't know. And we live with a fence between us. Now, the most fascinating thing is a fence is you can kind of get through, you know, a little bit. I can feel like I'm with you, but I can't actually be with you. It's incredible, isn't it? And I think that what 
God has been just rocking my world with as I was preparing for today and as I was preparing for how do we build relationships? How do we dig into what a good and healthy relationship looks like anyways? I really want us, and I want you to jot this down because I believe that this week God wants to do some soul searching in you. I believe it's going to start during our altar time at the end of this service. I believe God is going to meet you right where you are like he's met me right where I am. And in the midst of my pain and in the midst of my yuck and in the midst of my fear, God met me and said, Ash, I see that. I see you. And friends, let me just tell you today, it's okay to acknowledge where you're at. It's okay to acknowledge this hurt or that hurt. And how many of you know sometimes we have to acknowledge that we've hurt other people? I've learned a lot about apologies. I gave our team a shout out today. We have navigated some big changes. And do you know what that's come from? That's come from us putting down the fences and saying, I'm sorry for this. I I think I was a little frustrated. I think maybe I didn't extend grace. And it comes from another team member saying, yeah, you know what? Here's what we have to do. Here's what I've been navigating through. Maybe here's something in my past. Maybe I've never learned to trust. There are so many of these emotions happening in our human relationships. Isn't it fascinating to you? Every relationship is different. And some people you just click with. Like it's just easy. And some people you work at and you build a relationship and a friendship that's going to last forever. I want to dig into Acts 9 because I think this is an incredible story. And I think that you may have heard this story before. It's Saul's conversion when Saul is radically met by God on the road to Damascus. But I want to share it in a little bit of a different light, okay? So we're going to read, if you want to go with me, Acts 9. We're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to read this chapter as context. And then I want to move into what's to come, okay? So it says in verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on them and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. 
and he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is incredible to me because we have Saul going down the road to Damascus. Okay, let me just paint this picture for you. This was pre-Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Like, there was no videos about this. If this were happening today, wouldn't it already be on video? Like, if somebody on Broad Street, like, God showed up and rocks their world and they go blind and they're, like, supposed to go somewhere else in Old City. Like, they would, like, we would have already seen it. Everyone would have gotten that little alert come up on your phone. Like, we would have known, okay, this is what's happening. But this is pre that. And Ananias is so in tune with God. He is so in tune with God and hearing from him that Saul is on the road to Damascus. A bright light shows up and it's like, Saul, why do you persecute me? Here's what you're going to do next. Goes blind. Now the men that are with him, can you imagine the fear? Like the terror? Like I would be like, oh my goodness. I always love to put myself in Bible stories. And I can't imagine if somebody who is a leader is off to go persecute disciples, those who call on the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, he has this radical encounter with God, and he's blind, and he goes, now take me where, where I'm supposed to go. Can you imagine? You're like, okay, whatever. So like walking him over, take him to this house. Ananias hears from God, go to Saul. He is the one that I am going to use to proclaim. And there's this whole backstory which is incredible to me because Ananias comes up and he like rocks up on the scene. And this is incredible because as humans, we are built for touch. Are you built for touch? This is why the COVID-19 pandemic rocked our society because we're built to be with people. Jesus says in the Bible, do not give up meeting together. We're created for relationship. And we see Ananias come up and he doesn't just show up and be like, hey, Saul, here's who I am. Like, keep my distance. He shows up and he touches him. It's a touch. And then what's incredible to me is, you know, we hear often, if you've been in the church, Saul's name, he then goes by Paul. And he goes on and Paul goes out and he has Four missionary journeys, I believe it is. Three or four missionary journeys. He builds a dozen churches. He writes like 13 or 14 of the 27 New Testament books. I mean, this man is a radical man of God once his life gets altered forever. But see, his name doesn't just go from Saul to Paul. The second name that Ananias addresses him is from Saul to brother Saul. And Ananias walks with him. And Ananias begins to disciple him. And Ananias baptized him. And Ananias is teaching him. And if you continue going on through Acts 9, and then you go through Acts 10 and keep on going, right? We go all the way through. 
Paul shows up on the scene and we see Paul interact, engage with someone else whose name is Barnabas. Maybe you've heard of this man in the Bible. Barnabas' name literally means man of encouragement, a brother of encouragement. And so when Paul rocks up, they go to the next city because he's getting persecuted there. So what was he was intended to do, now Paul is getting this persecution. And he goes to the next city and all the disciples are like, no, he is not coming here. Like we have seen this, we've heard about this guy, we are not opening our doors. And I think sometimes we can slightly not judge that, but man, can't you read the Bible and be like, wow, but he had a radical transformation. I mean, God rocked his world. And I always think if I were standing there, I would be like, okay, I don't know. Did he really have a radical transformation? What is he doing? And Barnabas comes in. And Barnabas comes right along Paul and says, hey, to the other disciples, here's what God's done in his life. God is using him. And we see Paul and Barnabas then go out and do massive missionary journeys, which is incredible. But here's what I want to share with you today. As I began to dive into these relationships, as I began to build in, when God rocks our world, wherever you find yourself in your walk with God, you were created for relationship. You were created to walk this journey of life together. You see, when I was looking up these surveys, this is very fascinating to me. Um, they did a new survey in 2021, so a year and a half ago they did this survey. And 22% of millennials say they have no friends. No friends. That is almost a quarter of an entire generation says they have no friends. They found another 2021 survey. 49% of adults reported they had three or less close friends. Half of our society, adults, say they have three or less close friends. And as I began to dig in and research this, and I was like, God, I love, you have to know this about me, I am a learner, I love to study, I always love to learn, I believe the Bible with my whole heart, but I love when science proves the Bible true. I was telling Sean this this morning, I was like, I just love when God has stated something thousands of years ago and it hits our society today. But I wanna share this with you because this is very fascinating. In, 19, in the 1990s, okay, this is like less than 30 years ago, okay, not very long ago, that's in my lifetime. In the 1990s, psychologists have shown that we now have what is called mirror neurons. Write that down if you're taking notes. Mirror neurons, which mirror what is being shown and demonstrated to us. So here's what's crazy, okay? I grew up, there was this youth pastor that was all over the country, Jeannie Mayo, and she always said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Maybe you've heard that before. And so you show me who you're hanging out with, I'll show you where you're going to be in the next five to ten years. Because that's who you're around, that's in your circle. And I heard that and I believed that. But as I began to research and study this, this was so fascinating to me because within your brain, every one of us have what's called mirror neurons. This is why when you have friends that hurt you, and do you ever find out that they have been hurt by somebody? Or maybe somebody has been radically forgiven and loved and cared for, and they are the most grace-filled, generous, kind person. You're like, 
how are you so nice to me? How are you so kind? How are you giving so much? You're just serving and serving. You see, what's fascinating is we all have these mirror neurons. And so what we have demonstrated to us is what we will then demonstrate to others. Now stay with me. This is not science class. I'm going to move past it, okay? But what happens is everything that we've seen, everything that's been demonstrated to us is what I'm now going to replicate to Heather. And it's what I'm going to replicate to Adara or to Teresa or to Marta, anyone in here, I'm going to replicate. And as I began to study this and as I began to be like, God, what are you speaking about relationships? I think we could all agree, yes, we need relationships. I think you would say, yeah, this is important. I want to have thriving relationships. Research it. Like Mayo Clinic says, relationships will help you. If you're fighting cancer, good relationships will help you. If you're overcoming anything in your health, you need a community cheering you on. They say that people who have great relationships, like 26% of them are going to live longer than somebody without relationships. Like this is critical and we all know that. So how do we build strong relationships? It's not as simple as like, Adair, you want to go get coffee this week? Cool. Let's get coffee. And now we're friends and now we're close and now it's done. That's not the extent of it, friends. What I believe God wants to do today is open our eyes, allow the scales to fall off, that God wants to demonstrate to us what a good relationship can look like. But until I have experienced forgiveness, I simply cannot replicate forgiveness. Until I experience grace, I can't extend grace to you. You know, it says in, um, in let me just find this scripture, in Matthew 18, Peter asks Jesus, this is, um, he's talking and they're having these conversations and Peter goes up to Jesus and he says, now how many times do I need to forgive my friends? Have you heard this story before? And he says, how many times do I need to um, forgive my friends? Is it seven times? And Jesus says, 70 times seven. Now, I've always wondered what that means, like 490. Was it a math problem? Like, was that a magical number? What happened? You have to know this. This is so crazy. At that time, the Jewish rabbis said, you do not need to forgive someone more than three times. Once they do wrong to you three times, like, you don't even need to forgive that. Like, there's no more than three times. And so Peter is coming to Jesus saying, Father, what do I need to do? Like, do I need to forgive people seven times? Maybe he was thinking that's double what he's told. Like, I, am, I have arrived, right? Like, I am here. I am forgiving. And Jesus says, no, it's 70 times seven. There's nothing magical about this number 490. What it is is the disciples thought in limited terms. They didn't think in an unlimited perspective of grace. And what's incredible for you and I is as we come and as we meet with the Father, this is why you having a devotion time every morning, this is why you filling your heart with worship and filling your heart with the word of God, because it's coming to God and sitting in silence and saying, why can I not connect? Why can I not connect? What is it that's holding me back from these friends? You know what I've seen time and time and time again is often it is us not feeling worthy and allowing God to do something in us that then puts up a wall 
or a fence or a barrier between us and others. Let me, let me just paint it for you like this. If I come and I sit before God and I say, God, I want to connect with people. I desire this relationship. I desire to grow. I desire to be in a community. But I come and I sit before God and I realize, and this is what happened to me years ago, I realized that I had been hurt so deep, so deep by maybe something that I thought could never have hurt me. But then when I came, there was probably, if I'm honest and I own this because I've grown up in the church my entire life, but there was a part of me that came before God and said, but like, do you still love me? Do You won't leave me, right? I know you say you won't leave me. I know you say you love me. I know you say I'm good enough. But is it real? And as I began to sit with that thought, which is somewhat painful. Have you ever sat with those thoughts and said, Maybe you haven't. Maybe today's going to be the first day you sit with that. And you've sat down. And when you lean in and you say, God, I want to open my heart. I want to believe that you love me. Even though I've messed up. Even though I've done wrong. Even though I feel like it's too much for you to forgive. When God leans in and forgives us, now forgiveness is something I've encountered. Now I can extend it in my relationships. Now grace is something that I can extend in my relationships. And I know this is so backwards because, you know, I came up to talk about relationships and this is not a five-step build this good relationships, go to coffee, talk to a friend, get three people around you, and like your life's going to be better. I don't believe that's what it is. Because you see in the midst of that when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, I think we had a lot of people that were surrounded by people. And then all of a sudden, we had to sit in our house alone or with your family. I don't know if that did a number to you. I FaceTimed everyone. I just kept FaceTiming people until they would answer. Because I was like, I miss people. I miss humans. I want to talk to people. And I missed that. But you see, what happened is in that moment, we began to realize we were created for more than this. We were created to be together. We were created for relationship. I see, I want to share these few things with you. And I want you to write these down if you want. Because I want to talk about how you can build, what is the blueprint for a good relationship? How is it once you sit down and say, God, what do you want to extend to me? What do you want me to experience so that I can extend it to others? I don't care if you've had friends for like 30 minutes or 30 years. It doesn't matter. My deepest friendships, I'm still learning and I'm still growing and I am still building. I brought this blueprint out. This is the blueprint for this building here actually. And um, oh, is it upside down? Oh, look at that. Hold on. Let me just turn it around. <laughs> Not that I can read it anyways, but maybe you can. Um, okay. So I brought this blueprint with us, with me because... As I began to think about building a relationship, and I, I have this blueprint, and it hangs in my office back there. And it's, um, we had a, a grand opening, and so we had a bunch of people here, and so everyone signed the blueprint, and it was really fun, and I, I hung it up in there. And as I was studying for today, and as I was getting ready, I just glanced over at this, and I thought, man, isn't that such a testimony 
to what God wants to build in and through us. You can look around this building right now. If you were here a year ago when we launched this, you were with us when we did all the cosmetic work and we painted and we cleaned and we hauled out junk and we did so much. But before any of that happened, it was built structurally sound. I remember walking through here, my dad flew up to walk through it with us, and I was like, it seems good. He was like, seems good? Like, do we need somebody to walk through it before you invest in this? And I was like, maybe, can you come up? And so he came and walked through, and I remember looking and saying, okay, yeah, there's these steel beams. Okay, there's these structural walls. Okay, there's the floorings built like this, and all these different things were done. And I wanted to share this blueprint because the first thing, the first key for you to build your relationship is allowing God to work in you. It's like I shared, you have to receive from God what you're going to extend to others. The second thing that I want you to write down is relationships take intentionality. I am incredibly intentional with what I'm building in my walk with God. I'm incredibly intentional in what I'm building with my family. Sometimes it's not fun and flashy and just like sporadic, let's do this. Sometimes it comes down to, hey guys, next Thursday we're going to do family night. And we're going to have dinner and we're going to have game night and we're going to do this. Maybe it's intentionality of texting a friend. Creating time and space for a relationship. The third thing I want to encourage you is relationships take grace. If you are in any kind of relationship like with your significant other, with a friend, with a parent, you know we are imperfect humans serving a perfect God. And what happens is sometimes we come with these unsaid expectations. And in my relationship, I can expect my children to be one way. Or I can expect Elijah to be another way. And I hold this empty box almost that this is what I think my relationship is going to be like. And then sometimes, if you've ever been there, it feels like, but it wasn't that. But you were supposed to text me and you didn't. But you were supposed to call and you weren't there. And I want to encourage us in our relationships to extend the same grace that God has extended to us. Time and time and time again. But like I said, you can only extend what you've seen and what you've felt. And the last thing I wrote down is relationships take commitment. I want to encourage us for today, and as Sean gets ready to come, I want to encourage us to start from today. Not wipe away your past like it's not important. That's not what I'm saying. But what I want to encourage you today with is if you started from today, what are you committed to? What are you saying? I'm digging in. I'm committing to my relationship with God. I told you, I sat down and I said, God, I want to daily encounter your grace. I pray every day and I have a list and I encourage you, make a list. I have a whole thing in my prayer journal that I pray through. God, allow me today to experience your joy. God, I want to experience your hope. I want to experience your forgiveness. When I need your grace, give me grace God, surround me with your love. All of these words that I prayed, these are the attributes of God. And what's incredible is I can never be perfect love for Elijah. I can never replace who God is in his life. I can do my best. I can grow every day. I'm continually trying to grow in my relationships. But I will never be 
who God is to him. But you know what I pray is, God, allow me to experience that so I can give it out to who I encounter today. I pray that every time I talk to someone from this church, that I am giving love and I am giving joy and I am giving hope. And then when I get right on a Zoom call with a client, I pray no matter what they're going through, that I am giving joy and I am giving hope and peace in the midst of crazy times. Why? Because that is what's been shown to me, which is the only way I can reflect it to those around me. I pray today in this time, we're going to take a few minutes around this altar, and I just want us to allow God to speak to us. And here's what I want to encourage you with. I don't know how you've grown up. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've grown up in a church that is um, slightly, I don't know if condescending is the right word, but I think sometimes in churches, people can feel judged. People feel like, I did wrong. I haven't done enough. All this stuff. I don't want you to hear that from me today because that's not the God we serve. The God we serve is full of love and full of grace and full of forgiveness. He is. Otherwise, we would all just be like gone. Like, he loves us so much. But here's what I want to encourage you with. As we open these altars, I want to encourage you to come and say, what, God, do you want to show me? Because I pray today is a freeing day for you in this. Relationships are not about you doing enough. You don't have a checklist. I don't have a checklist like, okay, for my friends, I have to text twice a day. I have to call once a week. I have to go to dinner once a month. I have to do this. I have to do that. This is not a godly relationship. This is not a friendship. It's not a checklist. Check it off. Check it off. I hope you just breathe. <sighs> Take that pressure off you. I know when Elijah and I and our marriage said, it's not about that. It's not Elijah doing enough for me and me doing enough for him and then we're all going to be happy. That's not a relationship. A relationship, and I've given this example before, I think in our series, it's like a triangle. As I move closer to God, then I'm moving closer to whoever is on the other side of that. If it's a friend, if it's a significant other, whoever that is, as I move closer, this individual, I can move closer to them. And so I pray today that you can take the weight off of you of doing enough and being enough and building friendships and all this stuff. And if you can come to the Father and say, God, just allow me to experience you. Allow me to see who you are. Allow me to encounter your grace. Because whatever I see is what I'm going to mimic. And as I mimic that to Elijah or to my kids, then you know what's fascinating is? Those mirror neurons that they say actually pick up on that and they begin to replicate and mimic that as well. How does the world get changed? We all want to talk about how do we have more peace? How do we have more kindness? It's not a system or a process. It's you, and it's you, and it's you, and it's you, and it's me, and it's all of us encountering the Father saying, God, allow me to experience this. And then I go live it out to my coworkers, and you live it out to your coworkers, and then they begin to replicate that and do it to the next person. And it begins like a domino effect of relationships and building and growing. And so what I want to do is if you would just stand with me right now, and if you want to just close your eyes right now, I just want to take a moment, and I just want to invite the presence of God in this place into our personal hearts. 
you want to, you can raise your hands if you feel comfortable. Maybe you just want to stand there. But if we raise our hands, it's simply an act of surrender. It's simply saying, God, come. Like, I surrender who I am. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender what I've built about relationships. I surrender what I've thought about relationships, everything I thought on my checklist. God, all of the walls and fences that I've built around myself to protect and to cover and to guard. And God, we just come and we just lay those down right now. And I want to open this altar right now, right up here in the front. And if you want to, and if you would say, you know what, I just want to encounter God. I need to be filled with his forgiveness. I need to have a moment where I come and I'm telling you, I do this on the regular and I'll just kneel down and I'll be like, God, why? Why do I feel a little stuck? God, would you just cleanse me? Would you open my eyes? It's not a guilt. It's not a shame. That's the beautiful thing of our God. It's not guilt and it's not shame. It's simply humbling your heart and saying, what is it that may be stuck? What might be the filters that are holding back me getting close to somebody? I'm telling you, I felt that so much as I was praying for today because I feel like there are some of us who have been hurt by relationships in the past. And because of those relationships, because of the way somebody treated you, because of the way someone spoke down to you, because of the way somebody maybe neglected or abused you, then sometimes we have built these fences around ourselves to say, even to God, no, you can come close, but just not too close just not that close. And I believe today God wants us to experience a relationship with him and a relationship with others where it is no holds bar, like nothing in the way, no filters.